welcome in everybody to the season finale of the how you say podcast i'm boyd and i'm aj we've aged a few years since we last recorded the podcast light boyd <laughs> really really took a long christmas break there uh in between our last episode and this episode uh you just hard at work uh on on the research for this last podcast this baby's gonna be great uh and also our platform has changed uh since the last time we recorded that's how long it's been we are now recording on a spotify for podcasters platform no longer anchor anchor was bought out uh how much money do you could we have bought anchor ourselves and then just made it the how you say podcasting platform that probably would have been the way to go here yes yes I don't know if we have the audience capability or capacity for that, but well, it's see. like they say, dress for the job you want, not the one you have. So, <laughs> buy platform, get listeners. That's what I always say. Okay. Well, we should begin with the big announcement that probably everyone has heard multiple times. Uh, Bella is a three-time champ. Uh, unfortunately, you could not take it down. Boyd, how... Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. I tell you how what, you... Waiting, waiting three months to record this episode has made it, uh, you know, I, I don't hurt anymore. It, it, does, it doesn't it uh, does sting to talk about it. It just, it's kind of matter of fact, yep, Barrett won. That, you know, I, I can talk about it without any sort of bias for having been the one in the championship. I can just be a podcast host and talk about it like it was a totally different league, so... Yes, Barrett won. Uh, Danny was the big loser. That's the other piece of news people have been waiting to find out about. Danny is uh, going to get ridiculed all offseason, and and he'll have to pay to get the trophy engraved with Barrett's name. What name do you think Barrett's going to choose this time? I mean, she's got to be running out of names at this point, right? What were, Do you know what her first two were? Uh, first one was no longer second because it was uh, a huge turning point in her life. She'd gotten second a bunch, hadn't really won that many things, at least in her adult life. And so winning the fantasy championship uh, was the turning point, And it's just been rocket ships ever since. Uh, I do not know what the second name was. Uh, we would I, I, I haven't had the trophy myself in five years, so I haven't even seen it. I don't even know where it is right now. Yeah. Who won last year? Oh, Christina won. That's right. Yeah, who won the year before that? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It, hard to say. <laughs> Our statistician was working on other things. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there was an unfortunate incident that happened in that final game. It's yes. so long ago. Uh, where they cancelled the bills Bengal game uh, due to a player having a heart attack on the field. Uh do you think, like, looking back on it with, like, more clear eyes now, you have, like, what percentage chance would you have given yourself? Given played the game? Yeah, and it was like, Bose, it was like an exciting finish. Like, what yeah. you well, let me, yeah, let's, let's set it up a little bit. So, uh, the final score, uh, let me get that pulled up here. 90.86 uh, to 104.3. Yeah. With a player each scoring zero due to the cancelled game. Yeah. 
so that was the score going into the final game uh going into the sunday night game it was even closer i it was a near dead even heat i think she might have had me by uh two or so and she had mark andrews i had pat fryermuth andrews uh scored 11 more points so she extended the lead uh and we had josh allen for me joe burrow for her i was still holding out hope look i've seen josh allen score 35 40 points before seen joe burrow score in the 10s 15s uh you know based on how that first drive went before they called the game looked like it was going to be a shootout and both guys were probably going to be in the 20s um but i would have given myself 30 percent chance to to pull it out i mean look i could josh allen have scored 14 more points than joe burrow sure it's happened before yeah look i think josh allen's the more the quarterback who you would bet on to get a rushing touchdown slight edge to josh allen Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think he had the advantage. Um, was predicted to score one point six points more. So yeah, uh, you know, in the camp of coulda, woulda, shoulda, I did bench DJ Moore, who had twenty two points, and I started DK Metcalf, who went for point eight. So I was one start mm-hmm. set away from winning the championship, and it was—I mean, it was a move I considered. Not super hard. I, I know that you had said that in our preview. Hey, DK is going up against Sauce Gardner. He's been doing a pretty good job against opposing receivers. Are you thinking about benching him? And at the time, I, I fully realized that was a possibility. But DK had done pretty good against, you know, quote unquote, shut down corners like Jalen Ramsey and uh, whoever the Bucks guy is. Um, but I had faith that he would score some points and. Uh, you know, I've been starting DK all year long, so that's that's kind of where I went there. Um, obviously, now I wish I'd started DJ more because yeah, I'd have like you wouldn't have started uh, Russell Wilson over Minshew, like that wouldn't that would have made it tighter, wouldn't have got you over the win with the no, Purdy. Game. Purdy was probably the next quarterback, yeah, and he only scored uh, five more points than Minshew, so oh. yeah, you know. I kind of got what I needed out of Barrett's team. I just, my team didn't score enough points. That's how it goes. Alvin Kamara did not score 50 points in the championship. That was, that was really <laughs> uh, four years ago? Four years ago? Uh, two. Three, two. I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, Barrett and I switch off uh, being in the championship game and being in the loser bowl uh, every other year. So I'll see you there. Next so year, loser bowl it is. <laughs> Uh, so, so meanwhile, we'll go to the loser bowl. Not a close matchup. It was uh, a, a butt kicking. In fact, uh, Christina tanked her way into the championship or into the loser championship so that she could make sure that Danny was the ultimate loser. She crushes him 122 to 43. Uh, Danny never stood a chance. Top scoring uh, player was New York Giants defense with 13 points. And no other player had more than 10 points. So, yeah. Christina was was just unlucky to even be in the loser bowl. I think she was facing the top scorer each week or something weird like that in the loser bracket. Um, And just falling down. Yeah. Shout out to getting 53 points from Mike Evans in the final week of the season to stave off being the ultimate loser. 
and a uh, grand champion of $18 for his four receiving touchdowns or no, was mm-hmm. it? No, it was 200 yards. I think, I think she got the yardage bonus there. Anyway, Christina earns herself some money right at the end of the season. So great job there. Uh, and that, you know, that kind of wraps it up. Uh, you know, you and I discussed some kind of alternate realities. I'll let you get to yours here in a second. Um, but I do want to mention briefly. So Corey and I had a conversation uh, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, good thing we waited to have the podcast so long. Um, but he was actually one start set away from winning the championship himself. It goes all the way back to first week of the playoffs. He had a start set decision between DeAndre Swift and Mitch Trubisky, which might sound ridiculous, but you know, Corey's, I, I don't know if we're giving Corey Mr. Quarterback or Mr. Running Back title. He's probably more Mr. Running Back, but he loves some quarterbacks and obviously Trubisky, the quarterback, he had thought about it, decided he's not going to bet his playoff life on Mitch Trubisky, which usually is the smart move, but he did outscore Swift by enough points to beat his first opponent, which would have been Eric. Uh, have Had that happened, then he would have faced Barrett in the second round and he would have beat Barrett. And then in the final round, he scored 185 points, which would have beat everybody. So that is another alternate universe that could have happened, but did. <laughs> what, it, what is the other one uh, that, that you've been tracking for us all year? So let me just confirm it. Because it's been so fucking long, I need to check the final <laughs> playoff results just to make sure. One, one would think we'd have enough time to properly prepare for a podcast, but we decided we would make it the standard 30 minutes of preparation beforehand. So yeah. nice and okay. uh, no, ad hoc style. Yeah. No, it, I've confirmed it correctly. <laughs> I, I was hoping you, which was in the bonus wins alternate reality. Like we've been playing yeah. the bonus wins alternate reality. Yeah, the, the rule that never was. The rule that should have been, Boyd. And <laughs> I will have you know, you changed your vote to stop it happening. Uh-huh. And? You lost yourself the championship. And I would have won. So Pete and Ted would have had the buy. Uh, Boyd beats Corey week one. Barrett beats Eric. But because of the seedings changing around, uh, Boyd beats Pete and Barrett loses to Ted versus you beating Ted and I think uh, Barrett beating Pete or Barrett beating Eric. Something like that. So because of that... You got it there. The championship would be uh, yourself versus Ted, and you'd beat Ted. I think you – let me confirm again. You scored the third – and you would would not be able to – 90 to 84. Now, look, here's – and maybe we should discuss this uh, as part of – because with the whole Bills-Bengals thing, there were definitely conversations that happened behind the scenes – what should we do? Uh, you know, if they play the game, if they don't play the game. And yep. at one point we were thinking, well, why don't we say you get your next best backup player if they don't play the game? Or what if they, what should we take their points from the week 18 game, regardless of whether they actually reschedule Bill's Bengals? And we ultimately decided, you know what, let's, let's have 
whatever the NFL decides to do with that game, that is what the points are going to be. And and they end up canceling it, and so we just took zeros. But on Ted's side, let, let's assume it was me versus Ted. So I would have lost Josh Allen. He would have lost Diggs and T. Higgins. So the two players to one probably would have made that a much more interesting conversation. Ted probably would have had a bigger problem with just letting it lie. Uh, if I could guess, I don't know. Maybe he would also have said, hey, you know what? Whatever they do, that's fine with me. But I would be willing to wager that there would at least be a deeper conversation about the whole two to one situation. You know, Barrett and I each had a quarterback. It was pretty easy to just say, look, it, it's kind of even coming in. We'll let it be even coming out. But um, yeah, so technically speaking, I would have outscored Ted 90 to 84, but he was possibly more affected by the cancellation than even Barrett and I were. That leads to an interesting point. Which oh, is, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that leads to an interesting point, which is how do we as a league? Look, this was easy because, like, I think that yes, we are all adults, and yes, this should probably just be resolved with the two people that matters to, which would have been the two people in the championship. Mm-hmm. If, like, what would have happened if there wasn't a consensus? Because, and it's between, that weird thing. Between the two people you, in the championship? Yeah. Uh, a good question. I think I would start by saying, I think that this should have been up to the two people in the championship in in any scenario. I know that you had chimed in at one point and Christina was really just trying to figure out what was going to be done. But ultimately Barrett and I both believe, and I feel like I would say the same thing if I weren't in the championship, it should be up to the two people that earned their way into the championship to decide how to hand out the trophy. Had they not been able to agree on something, then I suppose we could go to, okay, well, what does the league think? Um, But I feel like a, I don't know, a course of action could have been decided, you know, even if it were me versus Ted, for instance, and he has two regular players and a half a player kicker uh, going wow. against just my quarterback, heard you know. It, heard it here first. <laughs> Kickers are half people. As soon as we go to a two kicker league, then we'll have a full kicker in the league. That's that's my point. I, I want to have a full kicker. So we need to have two of them in order to get there. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, it, it's an interesting discussion. I I guess if there's a stalemate, then sure, let's bring in the league and let's see what they think. Because it's, it's an interesting thing of you don't know what would happen. And yes, you say it was, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, but like being devil's advocate a little bit, being like, well, Josh Allen was going against the Josh Allen was the better player. He was like ESPN said he was going to be outscoring Joe Bowers by 1.6. I felt he was going to be outscoring him by like 10. Like this dramatically changed what would happen. Now you could say, yep, they canceled it. So they cancel it. So you can't do anything about it or say like, take the week 18 points. It adds confusion. We, 
it's never happened before. It'll probably never happen again. It's kind of like the, uh, what do you call it? The COVID uh, backup players that we had last year where yeah. you had to nominate a backup player before mm. the week started, uh, before the week's game started. Because there was like, you'd be told through the media, oh, this game is potentially likely to be cancelled or moved or whatever. So, I don't know. Look, I, I don't have an answer, and I'm not trying to say one way or another, or lean even one way or another, because as you peel back the layers of the onion, I kind of go, well, we should have a little, and it should be just instigated by the league. Or it should be like, two people should decide, but how do you make a fair decision? This is also coming yeah. from me binge watching uh, what they called Alice in Borderlands, great Japanese TV show. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. On- I mean, if we were to make a amendment to the Constitution, I would say, in the event that there is a contested result in the championship game, first right of refusal goes to the two people in the championship game. If they can decide on a on how to decide it, great. If they cannot, then we'll go to league votes on you know whatever the options are and most votes win i you know there's this affected obviously lots of fantasy leagues my personal favorite way of hearing of how other people decided is they ran a madden simulation of the two teams and i they may have set it to like the hardest difficulty i don't know what they did but they basically ran a madden simulation took the stats from that game uh and invited all the league members over everybody watched the game like it was the real game so they basically simulated the actual monday night football game and treated that like the actual thing and that that would have been fun hard to do in our league because we have six people that live out of town and barrett's always traveling for work so she's kind of like a half out of towner (laughs) Uh, out of towner yeah uh last thing i'll mention is we did have a side bet on our matchup it was originally going to be a t-shirt uh, made by the loser for the winner. Uh, when the DeMar Hamlin thing happened, we decided that the loser would just donate to charity. And so I ended up donating to uh, a friend of Barrett's charities, uh, She Jumps. It's for mm. empowering young women to get into sports. Nice. So there you go. Uh, we, met- we, we, we figured DeMar Hamlin had enough money. His charity was up to like $7.5 <laughs> million. Dollars. So... Uh, my twenty dollars is probably going to uh, a cause that will use that money a little more. I don't know efficiently, I suppose. Anyway, all right. Well, enough about the champs. Enough about the loser. Let's talk about everybody else's team, right? I mean, uh, the Swedish listeners certainly want to hear about those in the middle. Um, so we thought, as part of a fun season recap, that we would uh, go a little bit different this year. We're going to talk about the turning point in each team season, which point turned, I guess, either for the better or for the worse, depending on the team. I, I went both directions, depending on which team it was. Um, and I tried to mix it up a little bit. I think the easy answer. Seriously. For... I don't know what you were insinuating with the Swedish wish uh, listeners wanting to know about people in the middle. And then you saying you went both directions. <laughs> like, is it me? 
Oh, is there a lot of sexual innuendo coming out of your mouth? I, it's coming out of the, the Swedish listeners' ears, I think. Okay. I, we had the battle of the Swedes. I mean, the Swedes were definitely interested in the championship. They had two of their uh, country folk in the championship. But they, you know, Sweden is a neutral country, uh, militarily speaking. And so they, you know, they they want to hear about all parties. So okay. anyway. Okay. So ignoring your nth comment ago about enough about the losers, let's start with the loser of it. Okay. Uh, Danny. Danny. Uh, okay. So a recap of his season, if I can bring it up in <laughs> quickly enough. Oh, let's just do let's just do the turning point and then uh, talk about the ramifications. So I'll start. I'll I will say that the turning point in Danny's season was when he traded away Austin Eckler, which obviously looks I and a few of these are going to sound like hindsight. And I just want to preface this by saying I'm not necessarily saying that the moves were bad or bad at the time. They just, you know, didn't work out or they changed the course of their season. And Danny got a decent return for Eckler, but he ended up trading away the number one running back. And this is, I think, in week two. And, you know, Danny and uh, Corey and, you know, maybe a couple other people, they trade a lot. And so they cycle through players and that's kind of what they do. But I think Danny trading away Eckler um, really kind of, you know, created a hole at running back that he was constantly trying to fill, traded away an anchor uh, for what could have been a pretty good lineup. You know, even though he ended up, buying a bunch of players and then selling i i think trading away eckler was the the fork in the road where his season took a turn uh to where it ended up going sure like i uh i'll first comment on yours i like given the where everything was i think that the trade he, um, the return he got for the trade, which was Austin Eckler for Michael Carter, J.K. Dobbins, and Mike Williams, was the parts like the sum of the parts was greater than the whole, and it had to be for a one for three trade. Like I think he we a majority of the league cuz i did not feel that way felt jk dobbins was the second coming and he wasn't he was still injured he was and, a hot commodity all year that is for sure yeah especially early in the year so if you felt like michael carter was going to be the lead back even though they drafted a running back in the first round you were looking at two lead backs and Mike Williams, who always has the potential every year to beat Keenan Allen and then kind of doesn't beat Keenan Allen. Kind of is in that same range some years, some years worse. So He always has the potential to beat Mike Evans, you might say. I don't I he didn't end up getting there. We'll we'll get to the side bets later, but Okay. <laughs> so I agree with you. It's a turning point. I think that he was still trying to win. I think yes. the other big oh, of course. point for him was when he saw me trade away all my players. Okay. I think that may have forced his hand. 
to start trading. Mm-hmm. I believe he did shortly after I did. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that was okay. So not necessarily him selling, but seeing you sell and forcing the money race, arms race for money. Yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay. All right. Uh, next up, let's do... Uh, are you up? AJ. Let's do AJ next. No, I'm not up. Oh, you're not. I finished seventh. Thank you. <laughs> seventh. You did well. All right, let's do Christina. Yeah, let's... If he had implemented that stupid law and backdated it, I wouldn't have lost a single dollar. Oh, well. <laughs> Should we just do you now then? Because that's my turning point for you. <laughs> Which is the... The, the week one stat correction. Here we go. Officially, turning point in your season was the week one stat correction. Yeah, guess because you scored 120 points week one, right, or something close to that, yep. and you had beaten Corey by like yep. three points. Turns yep. out Corey forgot to turn on defensive fumble return touchdowns, and so it was midweek week two when Corey no, realized no, that it wasn't right, week three. It Did was we... after week two. It was after week two, even. That's right. It was weekly on the Friday when I am about to board a ferry to Orcas Island mm. that I get the infamous phone call. Oh, not Bainbridge Island. Yeah, that, that's no. not the island. Okay. No, no. Bainbridge not, is not a real island. We all know this. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, so I a full think... two weeks have passed. Yeah, and uh, well, two, a week's worth of games has passed, yes. and we're but I think we there was a Thursday night game I can't remember, but the other key thing was Corey and I made a trade after the week one loss. Now, Corey, in his like, basically, he was willing to undo the trade. And the trade was, if I can get to it, uh, sorry, one more. It was uh, T. Higgins for Julio Jones and DeAndre Elkins. And like, so the reason I make that trade is I'm like, well, I am. I was one and zero. And I was like, okay, I've got a pretty good squad. I don't need any running backs. I can trade away T. Higgins and get DeAndre Hopkins and hold him until he comes good in six weeks' time. Right. I don't think that changes anything. T. Higgins was very good. (laughs) Like, he was, when he played, he was very good. So. Does it make a, ma- a material difference to my season? I don't think so. I think I still lose. I had some really bad luck. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yes. Okay. Okay. Well, at the time, so at the time of the stat correction, that when it was made chronologically, you guys were both one and one. Stat correction occurs. You go to zero and two. He goes to two and zero. And all of a sudden, we're feeling a whole lot differently. I mean, look, Corey still had a couple of low-scoring wins. He still needed to make a bunch of moves, which he did, to get into the position mm-hmm. he ended up in. But, yeah, you going from 1-1 one and one to 0-2 oh and, and 
and you never quite recovered from there and probably caused you to trade away T Higgins. Uh, it was, it was a rough break, my friend. And I don't know, like you said, that your team had you kept T Higgins was set up, uh, but certainly didn't help. Uh, so like the other big one was like, I don't know. My draft day strategy was a bit ad hoc. Let's see how much it had, how ad hoc it is this year. I don't even know if I'll do prep. Uh, anyway. Okay, so uh, your turning point is draft day for you. No, it was... I... Or was it the stack correction? It's this week three waiting, in, waiting for the ferry. Like When something like that happens, it does shake you yeah. a little bit. But... Especially going from one one, feeling optimistic, going like, "Yep, we've started off and being zero and two, and then being zero and three, I think it was just like, Ugh. yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. All right. Next up, let's do the defending champ, Christina. Uh, my turning point for her was trading away Mike Williams. Talked about it a bunch on the podcast. I won the side bet that we made because of it. Still feel like it was an odd trade. Um, and, you know, it was, I don't know that I go so far as to say it created a hole at wide receiver, but certainly she traded away a good player and got hardly anything useful back. And those types of moves are hard to come back from. So. I like that. I picked some games as turning points, as okay. in not always your fault, a little bit like and this could be also a little bit about holding on to the players a little too long or not realizing that they are not like last year's players um so justin herbert she held on for quite a while in week week nine looking back she lost to pete uh 134 to 120 and I think, like, looking over the season, she needed to win that game. But if you look over her squad, there's no way feasibly she could have really won that game. Yeah, okay. I don't, I don't think, like, any replacement off her bench gets her there. So that's where, like, her team just goes... And this is the time when, like, Pete's got Keenan Allen, Jonathan Taylor, Jameson Williams all on uh, injured, CMC's on by, like Dolphin Shoots on by, mm. Daniel Jones is on by. Like, if there was a week to beat P, that would have been it. Yeah, and she couldn't do it. So that kind of sucked. Um, yeah. There was like, she had a chance in the final week as well, but I think week nine is the main one. Okay. Like, Oh, not the final week, but week 13, where she lost by four points to a low-scoring Ted. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. All right, uh, let's move on. Let's do Derek. Uh, this is Derek's first year in the league. I think he probably learned some things about how this league in particular works. Uh, he was very active on trades and waiver wire. Uh, I'm, You know, he was still in the mix for one of the last couple of playoff spots later in the season ended up not having enough juice. I'm going to say, uh, 
when he made a trade for a quarterback, Derek <coughs> was the guy he chose to trade for. And I, maybe he was forced into that. I feel like there were other quarterbacks that he could have gotten. He spent $12 to get Derek Carr. And I feel like that choice to, to make him the quarterback that you're going to go after was what kind of set the course for the rest of the season for him. Cause Carr was pretty inconsistent. Wasn't never had any real great games. And, you know, if you spend that money on a Kirk cousins type or Jared Goff, then we might've been talking about Derek sneaking in the playoffs and he's probably feeling a whole lot better about his team uh, or, you know, his season, I guess, than how he ended up. So that's the so, one for me. Similar uh, sort of thought process. I went with a matchup again. This was in week 12, uh, Derek versus Laura, where Laura beats Derek. Uh, 122 to 89. And yeah, Derek Carr scored him 19 points, but he, again, it's a turning point because there was like almost, there was no way, like even if you add up his whole bench scores, there was no way. And the reasoning was, I believe that was the week. Yep. That was the week that Stafford got injured or the week before Stafford got injured. Mm Mm-hmm. So he gets Derek Carr, but it's still not enough. And I think after that, his season kind of splotted away. So Stafford injury, Derek Carr quarterback, formulating in like not being able to beat the teams you need to beat to get into the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Next up, let's do Laura. Uh, Laura's turning point, I went all the way back to week one, and it was the Dak Prescott injury. There are a couple of different options here. You know, Winston getting hurt was also pretty big because those were the two guys I think she was kind of pinning her hopes on. She had Tannehill, and I think she had another quarterback. But Dak going down was pretty big. And I know he was only out for six weeks, but it really kind of put her behind the eight ball. You couple Mm -hmm. that with the Winston injury, and all of a sudden she's scrambling for quarterbacks. She's trading you know viable rb2s for quarterbacks and by the time she gets her quarterbacks back it's a little bit more skeleton of a roster than i think you would have hoped for so look injuries are so hard to predict with a lot of guys at least um you know no fault to laura on that one it just didn't work out yeah like i will say that she she played with Marcus Mariota while he was kind of good, and that was a good replacement. Again, similar comment. I went with week two as the turning point, and it was basically realizing that your quarterbacks aren't due to the Dak Prescott injury. Winston was up and down, but Tannehill was bad. Like he he was twenty sixth on the year, and he missed two games like it's almost not startable right so that's where you like improving on quarterbacks maybe turns her season around making trades to get rid of some of her depth in other places okay so are you saying more the winston injury more the second shoe dropping that 
Y- yeah, like realizing. Well, I think the DAC injury forced Tannehill into the starting lineup, but then it's like with Winston going down now, your quarterbacks just suck. And so, what do you do? Like, how do you manufacture a trade? How do you try and get either a rookie quarterback from someone or something? Extracting something out. Yeah. Yeah, that one put her... She actually did not have a fourth quarterback at the time, at least. So it was Tannehill and a receiver. I mean, she had good receivers. It just... it You know, she got herself in a situation where she had to trade CeeDee Lamb to try to get a little bit more value back. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it was Dobbins that she got. And then, yeah, the Mariota trade. But, you know, the the quarterback injuries. I mean, the, the best teams stay healthy. You know, Barrett... Exhibit or experienced very few significant injuries, and that's sometimes the difference. So, more of a bad luck one there. Um, okay, let's move on to Andrew. So, Andrew, I did uh, kind of a AJ move here, and I just picked a matchup. Uh, you know, no one move he because he had a good team, we, and we talked yeah. about it for the first half of the year. He was the hard luck loser, he kept scoring points and losing. He had the bonus wins, he had a pretty good team. Uh, but going into week 10, he had a big matchup with Laura and, uh, that was about the point where his team kind of took a dive. Um, I, I don't, I'm going to try to dial up the matchup here real quick, but, uh, he had been scoring, you know, 130, 140 points with some regularity and starting with week 10, it was a pivotal week. Cause I think it was the week before the trade deadline. And I think that loss put him in a situation where he decided to sell and he never quite got into the consistent uh, hundred point scoring after that point traded to a uh, traded Derrick Henry. Um, and it was also probably hard uh, personally because, you know, you never want to lose to your wife. So, uh, so I put in week nine and 10, which was the matchup where he scores 140 points, but goes against a team that scored 191. That's true. Points. We don't need to mention that, which game. That's probably a better one because it was a good performance and it wasn't good enough. And he, it was just kind of demoralizing yeah. to score second highest points in the league. And he went up against first highest points. It was that stupid Joe Mixon 55 point game, which I think Mixon had 55 points in the other 16 weeks combined. Um, and then the following week, couldn't keep it going against Laura and trade away all his players. So there you go. So the um, other thing, just looking back on players and all that, Tua gets injured a week or two after that. Uh, Herbert is like week 10 to his final game for the season and got injured. Khalil Herbert. Yeah. Yeah. Because Christina will never trade Justin. Uh <laughs> Well, she's gonna have to so, buy him next year. He he goes back into the pool next year. So yeah. So he had some injury, uh, bad luck there. Um, how long was Chase out for? Chase was yeah, Jamar, he was out in uh, that four weeks, I think. Yeah, so yeah, he got... that was about that same time. So that's where he kind of struggled, and yeah, couldn't quite recover after. He was even before then, I think. 
and then he just splotted downhill. Like he was even all five and six or something like that, four and six. And then he, yeah, Chase went yeah. down week eight, or he might have gone down in week seven, but he missed week eight, nine, eleven, and twelve plus the bye week. And that was that was the time where he really could have used a hero, you could say. Yeah. Okay, next up, uh, let's see, we did you, so let's go to Corey. Uh, what do you have as Corey's turning point? We'll, we'll switch around. We'll let you lead from here on in. Okay. <laughs> so Corey's turning point was week 11, uh, the trade. And I'm trying to pull it up because I didn't put the actual trade in. <laughs> Obviously, the turning point for Corey is going to be a trade. I, I'm interested to see if we have the same one. It was, It is the trade with you, I believe. Oh, okay. Uh, the CDM Where, trade? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think, like, was Galapagos injured at the time? He wasn't. Right? No. No, everybody was healthy. Uh, yeah. It was, it, just to refresh, this was consummated during Monday Night Football, in which Garoppolo to Kittle uh, scored twice. And I think that was what put the trade over the top. But it was Garoppolo and Kittle for CD Lamb and Russell Wilson. No money exchanged. Yeah. And I think if Garoppolo remained healthy, like while Garoppolo remained, so this was a turning point for Corey going up. I should say that. Like we've now switched gears as well. Well, I have, where I'm talking about when teams changed their direction and made it into the playoffs. Okay. Versus not. So this was a trade where I think this trade changed the course of Corey's season and got him in. But the other one was like playoff week one where what we called out in our playoff previews was you live by the sword, you die by the sword and his sword was the Chargers. And so he died by the sword where the Chargers just stunk it up in the first and that week. Um, yeah, that's, that was mine. Okay. All right. I am going to choose a different trade less than 24 hours later. Um, I go with the Kirk cousins trade. It was, it was one of those situations, you know, Corey did a fantastic job from draft day to, I don't know, week 11 or week 12, whatever it was in, turning his team into something that was pretty formidable. I mean, as, as we found out, uh, not only did he end up getting uh, best week of the season, he almost did that again in week 17. So it was, it was a great team. Um, but this was one of those trades. I felt like it just, it was a little too meddlesome. I think it was two days before the trade deadline. I don't know if Corey was feeling like he had to make a trade before the deadline. It, you know, we know Corey. He's he's addicted to trade, and, and he this wanted one just, Swift. He wanted Swift, but like he traded away his quarterback. He he left himself in a position in which yeah. an injury to a quarterback uh, would have left him in a terrible spot, which ended up happening. And and I know you can't predict injuries, but I would have much preferred to have quarterback depth than running back depth at that time. He still had three very startable running backs and i think hamstringing yourself at, at the quarterback position and, and honestly i would have been starting cousins over garoppolo and i'm trying to remember who his other quarterback is i should probably know that 
seems like it's Tom Brady, but it's probably not. It is Tom Brady. So you've got Brady, Cousins, and Garoppolo before this trade, and Etienne, Akers, and Mixon. And so the move is let me get to four quarterback, four running backs and two quarterbacks as opposed to three and three. Uh, And I guess at the time you also have Russ, but I just, I, I would have rather had the options at quarterback there than the options at running back. And so one thing I agree with that. I don't, I don't know whether basically I think he was lowering the dice to get Swift for next season as well. And if it turns out to be amazing, he's got him for next season. Kind of a little bit. That's how I view that trade. I, or at least to keep Corey saying, maybe he views it that way right now. Yeah, right. The, oh, one thing which I wanted to touch on was the last bit of my point. Sorry to get back to it, which is, yeah. Let's say you have the whole team of the, like your whole lineup is one team and they could be a really good team. But they're not like the top team because it's hard to get that, right? Mm-hmm. What it's you're kind of playing this lottery of not that they don't have a bad like you're playing the lottery of not that they have good weeks you're playing the lottery of I hope they don't have a bad week in one of the three weeks of the playoffs, right? It's like they face a tougher defense. They their game gets rained on, but like something weird happens and you've lost all your chances because all your eggs are in one basket. It's a risky move, but I think that's as we get later into the NFL season, weird stuff happens <laughs> and games become harder. So I don't know if anyone's going to go down that path again. I will be surprised if they do like basically loading up on the running back and the wide receivers of one team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Let's do Pete. Uh, yep. What do you have as Pete's turning point of the season? Injuries. <laughs> okay. Is there one in particular? Uh, he had Jonathan Taylor, right? Yes. Am I misremembering? Yeah. That was the key one. I think that. I'm just going to check his roster for who else was there. Kyler Murray would be another one you might say yeah. that injury was pretty huge. I mean, he really had the spinal tap drummer of uh, injuries at, at the quarterback position. I, Daniel Jones was relatively healthy for most of the year. I think it took a while for him to actually start him because he had other options, but um, just couldn't keep that second quarterback consistently healthy. Yeah. Taylor Kensley looks got injured as what was he in the injured no I, I mean, no, he was he was pretty healthy right. no Derek Henley was healthy sorry yeah. I don't know how I do not know how Pete has put Derek Henley into injured reserve <laughs> so anyway mysteries okay, so you got injuries uh, and you're yeah. saying Jonathan Taylor Taylor, Taylor? yeah because yeah. Taylor yeah. he he built this team, like a dynasty team, where Taylor was his crown jewel, 
that he acquired like one or two years ago, right? Last year. Last Actually, year. I think it was the offseason. I think he traded for Taylor in the offseason because I think Corey yeah. had Taylor last year. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. I am going to basically touch on that same idea uh, of the, the spinal tap drummer quarterback situation. Oh, but I, I will say one positive oh, for him. Yes, you first. That made it was the Justin Jefferson trade. Like uh-huh. at the time, it was pretty even, slight overpay, and he was banking on Jefferson being a top three, top two receiver, and he was, mm-hmm. and he was even better. Yeah, so, I wouldn't have said that's an overpay. Like you're saying that's an overpay because you want to feel worse about trading away Justin, Je- Justin Jefferson in the offseason, but that was even slash Pete won that deal. Okay. But anyway, um, yeah, look, and I'm going to start by saying Pete got the super team and we were all worried about it and it was a good team. In fact, it was a great team all year long. Uh, didn't quite have the horses there at the end of the season, but we all had some pretty good teams at the end, but he was the one that drafted Geno Smith. If, if you do recall, and he offered him around to a few different teams and he traded him away for Kadarius Tony, I think before the season started giving him to Corey. Uh, No, no, it was week one or two. No, because Corey had him during week one. Yeah, it, it was it was preseason and yes. you know the reports were that gina was going to win the job i thought drew lock was going to win the job just because i've seen gino smith play and gino surprised us all and look gino smith got traded twice for not a whole lot either time so nobody had a ton of faith in gino at any point until you know week three or four I, it was probably that lions game week four when we were kind of like oh geez this might be the steal of, you know, whatever the draft, I guess. But yeah. as we talked about, you know, Pete struggled to find consistency, both in performance and in staying healthy in his quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Kyler was hurt. He was not the same guy. He tried a few different guys. He tried acquiring Tua. Tua got hurt. Uh, Daniel Jones was kind of inconsistent, came on late. And, you know, I go back to Gino and had he, you know, kind of held on to him uh, just as a backup player in those first couple weeks instead of trying to see what he could get skill position wise. Then just think about Pete's team with Gino and, you know, the other guys, maybe he doesn't have to spend for Tua. Maybe he's got more money next year. Maybe this this trade is a two year affection here. And and, you know, Pete's team was really good if it had more stability at quarterback position we might be crowning him as the champion instead so moving on to eric i think it is i'm gonna go with a similar thing but the next trade of geno smith with Corey as what changed his projection like that he got a cute like a top five qb QB one, like he was the QB number one for the first five, six, seven weeks, or over the first five, six, seven weeks. A top twelve quarterback, and you mean? No, the f- number one QB mm. wasn't he? No, I'm pretty sure Josh Allen raced out to the lead and then lost it to 
Mahomes and I think Mahomes number one. Anyway, uh, but he was good. Right? He was top five. Yeah. yeah. And so he got that for nothing. Right? So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, done. So that completely changes your season when you can find quarterbacks like cute, like a yeah. top five quarterback for nothing. Absolutely. Uh, that's probably the correct answer. And I predicted that <laughs> one of the two of us would say Geno Smith. Uh, so I'm going to go. And, but since I already said Geno Smith for somebody, I'm going to go with the AJ Brown trade. Um, I'm going to call this one going all in on Eagles uh, because we talked to him at some point mid season and he was saying, you know, he really doesn't like acquiring Eagles because he's an Eagles fan. And it, you know, like if they don't do well, then it's, doubly bad his fantasy team probably loses and his real team loses uh and it's not as satisfying when they both do well but he decided you know he's going with miles sanders this year uh he traded for aj brown at the deadline who was pretty big for him down the stretch got him in a position to get into the the fantasy semis um so i'm gonna go aj brown trade uh big deal for eric okay Uh Moving very quickly <laughs> to yeah. Ted. Next up. I think Alex, Alex was pretty straightforward. Like he had a good team. He made some nice little yeah. moves along the way, but no big trades other than the Geno Smith one. Yeah, thought. some of these, you know, these next, yeah, the top six Eagles. teams, uh, you know, possible exception of Corey because, you know, we gave him a bad draft grade and he turned it around. There was definitely a turning point. Um, I, you know, I, you know, with Pete too, like there wasn't really a turning point. He just, you know, had a tough matchup in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> but we got to pick something. The, you know, for a lot of these teams, they had an upward trajectory, and maybe they made a little tweak here and there. Um, so yeah. it was just look. Eric had a good team. Pete had a good team. Corey had a good team. So, all right, what do you got for Ted? Ted was draft day. I think he okay. did the best at draft day. We did not let. I think you may have led him highly. I did not lead him as highly, but looking back on it, he had a yeah. decent stuff. Oh, but... yeah. We uh, I may not have put this in the run sheet, but we'll go over our grades and how well we did. Uh, but I had... Let's see, where did I have him? Oh, I'm over a slot here. Uh... Anytime. <laughs> Who's on Ted's team? <laughs> Does Ted have good oh players? Give you a peek behind the curtain, folks. Yeah, I can't see the names here. I don't know. No, because Corey... I gave Ted a good grade, I'm pretty sure. I, I didn't give anybody uh, below a two or above a four, but Ted got a good grade. Uh, I gave Ted a 3.8. You gave him a 3.5. There it is. Yeah. All right, so draft day. Was there one move in particular that kind of set Ted up? One one pick, whether it was a dollar amount or just the player itself. I let me pick a draft recap and oh, we'll just, yeah, we'll we'll pull the curtain back a little bit. So we both said his best pick was DJ Moore at ten dollars. We both yep. said his worst pick. Oh boy. Kenneth Walker, uh, I think yeah. it was $18. Yeah, I'm going to say Kenneth Walker as one of his best. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, at the time, he had just hurt his hernia 
yeah. And I feel like those usually take more than one week to heal. Uh, but he was back by week two, and then Penny got hurt. I, you know, at the time we were saying yeah. that's a lot of money for a guy that appears to be in a timeshare, and you never quite know what's going to happen. I mean, look, Brees Hall was great for like four weeks, and then he got hurt. So, yeah. you know, so Walker easily I, could have been Brees Hall. Brees Hall easily could have been Kenneth Walker, and we'd be thinking totally different about these guys. He. He drafted four quarterbacks, which is always a good deal. Four mm-hmm. uh, starting quarterbacks as well. Like Matt Ryan was the starter in Indianapolis. Yeah, uh, Trevor Lawrence was the starter in Jacksonville. Carson Wentz was the starter in Washington, and was the starter for how long in Washington? Like, uh, I think it was six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah, before he got injured, and then, and then he got one um, more week in there, and then lost. Yeah, it. Matt, Matt Ryan. Jones. Yeah, yeah, Mac Jones. Matt All <laughs> three of the four quarterbacks end up losing their jobs. But I agree with you that you, if you can, you want to start the season with as many starting quarterbacks as you can because you never know. Well, when they're going to lose their job, when when they're going to get hurt, you yeah. can always trade them for something uh you know as we saw you never know if you're going to trade away geno smith or davis mills but but you could if you wanted to Um, and then to get like connor was his keeper Diggs was his keeper but i think no one wants to pay up for kelsey but everyone should pay up for kelsey it's the stupidest thing stupidest why is Kelsey so good? Are you there, boy? No. I am here. No, I just <laughs> I was like I was letting you go. It's true. He was the one with Kelsey. Kelsey usually makes it into the playoffs, sometimes in the championship game, even. Yeah. I'm sorry, my sheet is not scrolling all the way over to the names. I'm having some computer issues. It's a it's new technology. <laughs> I don't know. What what can I say? Okay. Uh my turning point for Ted. Probably the obvious one. Uh, you know, we did think he had a pretty good draft, but when he got Mahomes, that was when I think League took notice. Like, oh geez, okay. So we we knew Ted had good skill position guys. We were a little hesitant about his quarterbacks. I think we probably said at the time, yeah, we like that he has four quarterbacks, but those aren't the four quarterbacks you would ideally want. But then he got Mahomes, and and he ended up he continued to add. He added Higgins. Later in the season, added Aaron Jones right before the deadline. Or, or no, that was when Danny sold. But uh, but he kept adding. But I think Mahomes is the one. I mean, he was the MVP. He was the number one quarterback. Uh, that was the trade that made him the super team that didn't end up losing until week I don't know twelve or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and got him the points title. So there you go. Okay. All right. To your team, Boyd. Yes. Would you like me to go first? <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, what do you got for me? I, I'm playing a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I'll okay. say uh, Bill's D pickup. <laughs> okay. Do explain. <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, I, I'm, I can one, think of a couple different ways to go with this. I'm excited to see where it goes. What do you got? One, you gave me shit for spending I don't know how many dollars two dollars like early on draft day yeah about like you should not spend more than a dollar on a kicker and defense yeah okay but you are the typical one 
you dropped the Eagles. You already had the Eagles defense, right? Correct. And then you picked up Bill's defense. It's like, yep. whatever. But And they turned out to be just as good. And you were carrying yeah. both of them for quite a while. Yeah. I was playing um, keep away. Okay. Slash, I so, didn't know which defense I wanted for the stretch run and got to the point where I had to drop one. And so I chose Eagles. I think I chose correctly. So, and then I was thinking you had started the Bills D in your championship game, but I now realize you have not. So the joke doesn't play that well. Oh. That was your calling point. But yeah, that was it. What was your you- turn? So the turning point was me wasting a roster spot on Bill's defense for all those weeks when I could have had XYZ player from the waiver wire. Is that your basic? Maybe. No, no. You picked up good defenses. And I think that was your, you picked up Eagles defense earlier. And that helped you a lot. Well, I was kind of hoping where you're going with that is it signaled kind of a change for me. I usually, stockpile position players that aren't really worth the shit or most of them don't pan out and this year i you know i was collecting defenses i was collecting tight ends i had four quarterbacks for a lot of the year it was a different type of roster that i'm used to you can see it on my final roster i have a lot of garbage on there (laughs) i was not good at acquiring uh backups at positions i it was the shallowest team i think i've ever had it was a little bit frightening because if I had an injury, I definitely wouldn't have made the championship and everybody stayed healthy. So uh, anyway, you, that's that's not what you were saying. My uh, turning point for myself, uh, I'm going to go back to what you said was Corey's turning point. Same trade. I think that the yeah, CD Lamb yeah. acquisition was the turning point because it was right around the time where you know I, I raced out to the points lead. We talked about it ad nauseum. Um, and then I hit the one of us talked about it. You know, after six weeks, I was looking really good. And then I took a bit of a tumble, struggled to get back to hundred points, not really injury related, just guys started sucking balls related. And it wasn't really sure what direction to go with my team. I had hurts and Allen and I felt like, I don't know. I mean, should I go for it or should I sell? And I picked myself up, decided, no, I'm going to go for it. Let's see what happens. You know, this league, I know Pete's got a great team. I know Ted's got a great team. That doesn't mean they're going to win the championship. The third, fourth, fifth best teams win the championship all the time. So made a move. I knew I had to shore up the wide receiver position in particular. Um, Was able to acquire an elite receiver without giving up an elite quarterback. And... I think that move is one of the moves that helped me get into the championship game. Ultimately, I didn't win, but I think that trade is what got me into position. Yeah, that would have been my second. I think third would have been your $35 on Block Purdy, $28 on Block Purdy. (laughs) Which is interesting because I started Purdy like one time. Uh, it, you know, $22. a bit of a keep away move, I suppose, because I'm sure other teams would have loved it. I'm sure uh, Pete would have loved to have Brock Purdy. I don't know if the difference in our matchup that week was Brock Purdy versus whoever he ended up starting against me. Um, and I did kind of kill his keeper value, but yeah, no, that was a move that did you kill his, like, let me I put it this so. way. 
Can I really keep Brock Purdy for $28? I mean, come on. That's pretty expensive, right? Isn't it? No. It's 25, 27, 27, 27. Yeah. Cause it's $44.40. Uh, $4. Uh, but if he, didn't have an injury. Like if he, let's say he played his way, but did not have season engineering, like uh, surgery. Right. I think you would be at least going, maybe. Cause... I would consider it. So, okay, yeah. so, so it's $27 officially. All right, let me read you off some of the quarterbacks in that range. And obviously, we know how they turned out. But Brady was 25. Lawrence was 23. Matt Ryan, 20. Stafford, 34. So based on what you think we thought of those guys last year, is that where Brock Purdy would go this year, barring, you know, this UCL injury? Like, if he was healthy coming into the year, are we saying Brock Purdy's a top 12 quarterback? Yeah. I mean... Top 10? I mean, that's almost top 10 if you're going to pay high 20s for him. Yeah, I think so. Like, he hadn't shown anything else. It is possible. It is possible that I still keep him. I don't have tons of keeper options. Well, it's like, should I keep Trevor Lawrence? What? For $30? Well, Lawrence appears to have ascended to the next level. I'm not sure. I'm not willing to put Purdy in that. Definitely top 12 level. I think Lawrence is definitely top 12 next year. Probably top 10. Because I think a couple, I think Russ has fallen back, Stafford, Brady, those guys. Yeah. Uh, Dak. I think Dak potentially. I'd probably go Lawrence over Dak. Okay. Uh, Let's move on to our champion, Barrett. What do you have as Barrett's turning point in the season? Uh, The Joe Bowler trade. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, and I wrote that note down an hour ago, thinking I would remember what that means. <laughs> well, it was uh, essentially the one move she made. As as we mentioned, <laughs> you know, she won the league having the fewest transactions uh, of anybody in the league. And that's the first time that's yes. happened. Um, she really just made the one trade, couple of waiver moves. Like it, she was very, like she basically just set herself up on draft day and then it was the big trade which pro i mean certainly got her into position obviously burrow scored her zero points in the championship game uh but but andrews yeah andrew was also part of that trade he mm-hmm. was essentially the difference in the game i think she had a one point lead going into sunday night football so even if she hadn't had anyone well, that's if she had a different tight end i suppose i don't who knows what would happen but yes it was the big move um Okay, I am going to say, I'm going to go a different direction. Not anything she did, just something that happened in the league, and that was Justin Fields turning the corner, which happened around week seven. You know, last year, very inconsistent. This year, started off pretty inconsistent. He was doing enough to where you certainly couldn't drop him. Um, But right around week seven, started scoring 20 points. Week nine was when he went off for 40 and he went for 40 in back-to-back weeks. Uh, Barrett actually missed the first 40 pointer because I don't think we we're still yeah. certain what fields was, but fields turning into a top five ish quarterback top one, when he's scoring 40 um, really kind of vaulted her into the upper echelon 
And he, he, you know, he tailed off in the playoffs, was not particularly good in those last couple weeks. Um, but put her in position to take the championship. And so that was, you know, that, you know, Christian Watson could be an honorable mention here. That was somebody she drafted and held on to you know, every, every, every week I looked at her roster and thought, gosh, there's so many other guys I'd rather have than Christian Watson right now. And she stayed yeah. patient, stayed the course, and he turned it yeah. around right around that same time. And those two put her in position, I would say. She didn't so even draft it. She picked uh, him up off waivers. Yeah. Yep. Well, <laughs> That's move. One of one of her twelve moves ended up working out. Okay. Well that should do it for the turning point in each team season. Um, let's take this moment to go through. Uh, we'll just, we'll see how we did over our predictions from the week one show. And um, I don't think I've shared this information with you. So I'll just yep. talk about it and you can, you can tell me what you think. All right. So we said, we'll, we'll start with the top stuff. Um, best value of the draft. I said DJ Moore at $10. You said Darren Waller at $9. How did we do? Where did they finish? DJ Moore <laughs> did not do well. <laughs> DJ Moore got a bad oh, He did bat, well. He finished did as well. the number Five. 22 22. receiver. He came on sure. late to make it look good, but it certainly was not a fun ride. Uh, yeah. I think if we're grading that one out, eh, that's about right. He played like a $10 receiver this year. He had some good weeks and he had some stinkers. Yeah. Uh, Waller was okay. Uh, he was hurt for a lot of the season. He was hurt. So. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, I'll best... give you that one. You'll give me DJ? I'll give you the best player. Like best value. Okay. All right, uh, best player on a cheap contract. I said Dallas Goddard. You said Tyler Lockett. I think you probably take this one. Lockett was pretty yeah. good this year. And I, yeah. I, you know, I think the logic is sound in both cases. Goddard uh, was out with the shoulder thing for like four weeks. I think had that not happened, he'd probably be more of a top three receiver or a tight end. I think, I think it probably would have been Kelsey whoever number two was Kittle Kelsey Kittle Goddard probably something like that but Lockett you know for that price at that position uh he was very good he was amazing yeah he was almost a wide receiver one he was 14th on the year he was dirt cheap and and he was nearly wide receiver one so yeah that that one definitely goes to you (laughs) okay uh and then worst contract I said Josh Allen and you said Aaron Jones Neither guy was bad. Oh. Josh Allen was actually pretty good. He was very expensive. Yes. Uh, Aaron Jones was top eight say, on the year. Top eight. Yeah. Okay. He, uh, he was like 50 something dollars. And that he wasn't top five. You would want like anyone you spend $50 or more and you want him to be top five. In All right. Like you spend it on quarterback. You want a top five quarterback. You spend it on like running back. You want him to be top five. So yeah, Jones. Jones was good. All right, yes. Look, that one. That one's close. I would say neither one. 
neither, yeah, one neither of us picked it. Yeah. Bad. There were certainly worse contracts. Yes. Um, you know, if we go back through it, you know, Dalvin Cook for sixty four. I guess I guess he was okay. Kamara for fifty four. Kamara for fifty four is probably worse than Jones at fifty one. Yeah, I, the running backs did okay. Looking it back over, anyway. Uh, okay, and then we'll just go through them quickly. So Laura, I gave her two point nine. You gave her three point five. We were probably both a little high. Uh, Corey, I gave him a two. You gave him a one point five. I still think we did okay on the draft <laughs> rankings. It's just that he changed his team drastically from draft day. Yes. I think Corey himself would admit, although he would probably say something like, well, I acquired the guys that allowed me to trade for this inedible <laughs> team. So it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um, to that, I would say, well, we didn't grade your silver tongue in negotiations. We traded the crap that you. Okay. Can we move of. on? All right. Uh, Let's see, Derek. We each gave a three-two. That's probably about right. I mean, he he made yeah. some trades that that changed the course of his team. Uh, let's see, Christina. I gave a three. You gave a two. Do you do yeah. you think it was more of a two or more of a three? It was more of a three. I I have seven out of ten loaded down here, so I don't know. I must have changed my mind for Christina. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, you. That's some revisionist history there. Okay, uh, let's see here. Uh, Andrew here. I gave him a three. You gave him a two. Yeah. Definitely more of a three than a two, I'm going to say. Uh, uh-huh. my... No? You you still think he was a two? Because I... he didn't make that many moves, and he had a pretty good team, at least for those first eight weeks. Because he hit on every single lottery ticket. Like, I literally have put, and I mentioned... He has lottery tickets and Olave, Wilson, Wondell Robinson, uh, not Wondell Robinson, Brian Robinson, mm-hmm. all hit. And it's like, yeah, then if you buy, like, first few wideouts shouldn't be good or shouldn't be amazing. And they were amazing. They were like Jamar Chase level amazing. So. Yeah. All right. Try right, it myself. again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So myself, I gave a 3.4. You gave a three. Those are probably accurate. I had to make some moves to get to the position I ended up getting into. Uh, let's see. This is Danny. I gave a three and a half. You gave a three. I still think his team on draft day was something that he could have turned into something special. Um, so I'm going to stick with that one. Uh, let's see. Pete, I gave a 3.9. You gave a 5. Which was probably more of a 5 than a 3.9. I just refused to give anybody <laughs> anything over a 4. Yes. Uh, Tad, I you gave 3.8. You basically gave everyone 3.5, if I remember correctly. It, it was a 3 point something for all but three teams. Yes. Uh, okay. Tad, 3.8 for me. 3.5 for you. Eric, uh, I gave a three. You gave a two. Uh, he ended up acquiring Geno Smith outside of the draft, so that's probably what bumped that up for him. Uh, yeah. Barrett, I gave a 3.6. You gave a 2.5. Care to explain yourself on this one? 
I think it's Justin Fields, right? Like, it's be. basically Justin Fields because Justin Fields was a keeper. And, oh, the other one was Barkley. Like a big spend on draft day, which yeah. neither of us were like, like we were not sold on, was Barkley for 54. Right. So, well, so it, you know, we also wrote our best and worst pick for each people. And I'm not going to go through all those, but we are going to take a quick segue on, or take a little time on Barrett's team. Uh, just to point out, I said Tyreek was her best pick, which I think she nailed. Uh, it, it, neither of us said anything about Barkley. You said her best pick was Edmonds. I still think that was a fine pick. It just didn't work out. Um, but you did say Josh Jacobs was her worst pick. So that's probably why you gave her a 2.5 because that's about a two pancake bump right yes. there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. The and interesting then, thing is, will she keep Jacobs this year? Uh, yeah, that's uh, like, probably a slam dunk because Jacobs was. Uh, let me pull up the value here. $19. You kind of have to. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of risk. All right. Uh, and then lastly, I gave you a two. You gave yourself a three and a half. Yeah. You're very proud of the Brady pick, which you ended up getting a lot of money for. So I suppose <laughs> you, you get credit for that one. Um, okay. Yeah. I think, I think the Barrett picks are probably my best and your worst, but, uh, you also said Pete's best pick was Danny Dimes. I'm going to give you some dap on that one because that was, you know, need quarterback. It was probably <laughs> his most consistent quarterback. He probably should have started him a few of those weeks. Um, you you also had Lockett. You just we'll give you lots of credit for Lockett. You said Lockett was uh, Derek's best pick. That was definitely his best pick. He was awesome. Damian Pierce, you got that one. You said that was Christina's best pick. Um. My worst call was probably, well, we both had Waddle as Pete's worst pick. Even though we said Pete did awesome, we're just, we're splitting hairs here. Um, but there were probably other options we could have chosen that were worse than Waddle. Anyway. Okay. okay. Should well, we let's, move uh, on to happier times for you? Yeah. So uh, we'll take this uh, time to let everybody know that I actually won every other league besides this one. Very disappointing. I was really hoping to get a clean sweep. Uh, that includes the Vampire League. So I took out my my partner, Anna, uh, in the championship game. And to make it more exciting, we had a side bet that whoever lost the championship game would have to dress up like a vampire and go grocery shopping at our local QFC. And we did. And it was amazing. Uh, we probably had the most fun. I think the weirdest part about the whole thing was that nobody seemed to be bothered by the fact that somebody was walking around in a vampire costume in like late January because it took us a while to acquire the costume. It was back ordered. And so by the time we got there, it was definitely not holidays or dress up time or anything like that. But it was cold. Right? But it was cold. So, yeah. So the cake keeps you warm. Right? <laughs> Makes complete <laughs> sense. Oh. But it's not, it's not like Capitol Hill. It's not a neighborhood in which people just like dress up for fun. Normandy Park is a nice family neighborhood. You don't often get people dressing wait, up. Wait, like wait, wait, wait. Hold up here. You're saying a lot of things. What a long thing. Oh, okay. So you're saying there's no alternative lifestyles in 
uh, Normandy Park. I'm and you're it's saying a, it's a very, uh, you know, you said safe family neighborhood. Yeah, it's a middle class family. So therefore, Capitol Hill isn't safe. Well, you know, the right wing rightists will tell you that uh, okay. Capitol Hill is one of the least safe neighborhoods in the country. Okay. Anyway, okay. So that's how our Vampire League ended. Uh, there may be some changes coming to the Vampire League next year. You just have to stay tuned, uh, get ready for the season premiere next year, and we'll unveil the newly revamped Vampire League, which may end up being the League of Fantasies. I've, I've got a little bit of work to do, but working towards turning that into the full League of Fantasies, it's going to be amazing. Might even warrant its own podcast. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, okay. Kicker League update. I don't know if we already revealed who won that at the last podcast, but tell us how the Kicker League turned out. Oh, I won. I'm moving up to Division 1. I think Excellent. I won handily. Let me see. Okay, so what are the differences between the divisions? What what, oh, do, you, it, what do you earn by being in the Division 1? Is it more money? Is it just no, more competition? That's just the more competition. Like Everyone wants to be in Division 1, and oh, winning okay. Division 1 is like the ultimate goal is there a but, trophy for division one and not for any of the other divisions yeah there is like a weird uh trophy situation where they created the folks that land these were are heavily into magic so i think they created custom magic cards as the trophies that's amazing that's what we should do for the league of fantasies thank you for bringing that up on the podcast i'm gonna steal that idea <laughs> Custom yeah, magic custom. cards. Who who would have thought? What well, I mean, custom trading cards. That would that would be my first thought. But I kind of like custom magic cards, especially for a league of fantasies. Um, you could, I think they picked magic cards which were like kicker that had kicking abilities or something like that. Yeah, you're gonna have to tell me your magic card guy so I can get a touch with him. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, I won four hundred and eighty-one to two eighty-six. My my team was Lobby Gould, Daniel Carson, and Greg Joseph. Carson sucked. Yeah. So they, they were ranked. Four, yeah, but in the they final week, they were ranked uh, fourth, fifth, and eleventh for the year. So kind of easy to win when you have three in the top ten. Yeah, and there's eight teams there. All right, well, let me take this opportunity to segue uh, into our playoff challenge uh, because I stole your scoring system for the kicker points, kind of. I tweaked it slightly. Uh, but we did a playoff challenge with whoever wanted to join. Basic premise was you take one player and only one player from each of the playoff teams. I shortened it to 12 out of the 14 playoff teams. You choose one player three quarterbacks, three running backs, three receivers, a couple of flexes, tight end kicker defense, something along those lines. And uh, and no changes after the playoff start, and then whoever gets the most points wins. Kickers, and I still feel like, I, I think I said when you explained the scoring system, this is a fantastic idea in that you just, you simply base it off a of yardage. So if a guy gets a 44-yard field goal, he gets 4.4 points. And if he misses yep. a 30-yard field goal, he gets negative three. And and you can that, that's the basic idea. Uh, extra points, I think, are one 
if you make it and then negative whatever the yardage is if you miss it or I don't know. But we did that for the kicker scoring. Corey won. Uh, I'm hoping you gave it a negative of 50. So it's like if you miss a one yard field goal, it might be like negative 4.9 points. But if you miss like a 50 Uh, yarder, it's only like 0.1. Yeah, I could (laughs) probably look up exactly what I said here. But um, I will be proposing that as the new kicker scoring next year. I will probably be shot down immediately because there is a monopoly on the kicker rule in particular. We can vote on pretty much everything, uh, but but for some reason, kicker points are not to be messed with. Yeah. I love it because it's basically just completely segueing and repeating it. It's if you attempt a 50 yarder you will even if you miss you get like uh positive points because it's like your coach has such confidence in you making like a 55 yard point it you should get points for the attempt yeah so here's what i did so pat made one point uh, yards on made field goal, each yard is worth 0. 0.1. 0. 0.1. Yeah. Uh, yards. So for any missed kick, that's PAT or field goal, it's uh, it's an equation of 0. 0.1 uh, times the yards, but then you subtract it by five, or you start with five and then you subtract. I don't Math is funky. Anyway, anything under 50, yeah. you get negative points. Anything over yep. 50, you don't get negative points. Yeah. So, yeah. You miss a 35 that's... yarders, negative one and a half. You miss a 20 yarders, yep. negative three. It's pretty yeah, simple. And, that make, I don't... It, and yeah. it makes complete sense, right? You miss Absolutely. an easy heel goal. It should be more detrimental. Yeah. This is also leading into the whole should a pick six count for more <laughs> negative? They definitely should. I am also proposing pick sixes are negative six, I, which I think is a possibility. Yeah. We should probably write these things down so that we remember them for next year. No, we forget them and then we repeat them year on year. (laughs) And no (laughs) one will take us up. Only to be talked about on the podcast. Yes. Okay, well, uh, to close us out, uh, I I thought we'd do a fun little segment. We have waited so long to do this podcast. We were already into NFL draft season. Draft is about a month and a half away. Um, just a couple of quick questions here. Which prospect are you most excited about? Slash, which rookie is going to be the rookie to have in drafts? You can say which rookie you think is going to get the most points or most dollars spent on them in our draft. Which rookie is going to end up with the most points? Which rookie are you just most excited about? And I know there's a little bit of, well, I got to see which team they land on. You know, not often do you get, you know, Olave on the Saints. I, you know, he didn't win rookie of the year, whatever. Kenneth Walker on the Seahawks. You know, that was a situation where if Walker goes to the Bears, maybe he's not as good as with the Seahawks who are dedicated to the run. But tell me a prospect you're excited about. We'll start there. Okay. A prospect I am most intrigued by. All right. And because it's a quarterback league, I'll go with quarterback. It's uh, Anthony Richardson. I don't know where he'll go. He could be like top three. He could be like 20th pick. Mm-hmm. So that's who I'm most intrigued about. So okay. interested about, uh, yeah. What about you? Is there yeah, a team? So Anthony, me... 
let, let me do a follow-up. Is there a team that he could land on that would make him more attractive slash, you know, could he go for over 20 if he landed on the right team? Or is he probably a, a 12-ish dollar quarterback? I or, are, say, or none of the guys going to go for over $10? I will say, no, there's a guy that will go for 25 Uh There's another guy who I am predicting will be the most money spent. Um, and it'll be by Andrew. Um, the, and it will be an Ohio State quarterback, maybe? No, no. Uh, oh. So if Anthony Richardson falls to New England, 14th pick, and they pick him up, it will be crazy fun good. Because I don't think Belichick's going to start him till week six, and then he's going to use him as um, oh god, Baltimore Ravens used uh, Lamar Jackson. Just use him as what Matt Jones does but with amazing running ability and just design lines everywhere. And you think Belichick would bring that out of him, not like McDaniels and the Raiders? Because no, I'm, I'm kind of thinking the Raiders might be a fun landing spot for Richardson with McDaniels there. I think McDaniels is a wash. I don't, I don't believe many... Do you mean he's washed up? Yeah. Yeah, okay. sure. Whatever. Uh, the person I think. Oh, who do you think? Who's your most interesting? Well, I obviously Richardson is a hot choice. I might have said that had you said somebody else. Um, I will stay on the quarterback train. You think so? You think Andrew's going to spend over twenty dollars on a quarterback, and it's not CJ no, Stroud? I'm saying over twenty dollars on a player. <laughs> on. On a rookie? A, yes. Okay. And you're not saying who it is. You're just saying he usually does. I will tell you who it is. Oh, okay. But it's not CJ Stroud. <laughs> Can you just say I'm, your okay. player? I think I'm excited about CJ Stroud. I, I think I'm probably more excited about Richardson, but I think Stroud. I think Stroud, if he ends up, because I like him more than Young and Levis, and I think he might be the most pro-ready. So if he lands, I tell you what, if he lands in Carolina with Frank Reich, I think I'd be pretty excited about him. So I'm going to go with Stroud. So, and I could see, I could see that pushing $20, probably more like 17. Okay. And that'll be the most that is spent on a rookie this year. Okay. Is that your prediction? Stroud? Uh, Like, no. Who will be the most expensive? I think Bijan. Wherever he lands is probably going to be the most expensive rookie. Because, like, there's always a a rookie running back that, you know, you know, like a Saquon or, uh, I don't know, we haven't quite had anybody like Saquon in a while. Fournette, when he came out, he was, you know, first round pick in snake draft. So it's probably Bijan going to be the most expensive, but it's going to be Bijan. Maybe he's too obvious for this list. Does it matter where Bijan lands? Like yeah, he, a little bit. If he lands in like, New England, like if he lands in a crowded backfield, let's say, or if he yeah. goes somewhere where there's not a lot of competition, 
does it matter? Or is he probably, cause you know, when Taylor was drafted, they had Marlon Mack there. And back in those days, Marlon Mack was coming off a pretty good season. Yep. And even though Taylor was the top back, it, you know, we spent $25 on him, but Taylor didn't take the job until, well, he didn't really run with it. I, I think Mack actually got hurt week one, but he didn't run with it until week six or seven. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, yeah. Sorry. Is there a landing spot where you'd be especially excited? No, uh, like I think, John? well, I'll say probably the Steelers. Really? Uh, yeah. With Najee. <laughs> Assuming they did that, I don't think the Steelers would do that, but assuming they did, uh, you would say, I like Bijan there. Because where do you like him? So where he's predicted is like late teens, early 20s. And it's like Steelers, Lions, Bucks, Seahawks, Chargers. Tell me a place which doesn't have a RB1. Ravens, Vikings, maybe? Jags, Giants, yeah, Cowboys, Bills. Well, I've seen him being mocked to the Cowboys, which seems ridiculous because they still have Zeke and they just franchised uh, Pollard. Pollard, yeah, yeah. So, like Bengals, Saints at twenty nine. Like, how far is Eagles? Maybe at thirty, we'll draft him. Like, but you're like. Really stretching it, and then Chiefs. And if he drops all the way into the second round, mm-hmm. it's like the Texans, Cardinals, maybe. Not I the mean, Colts. with the Ravens, would the Ravens take him? With you know, I mean, Dobbins is still there, yeah. second year back from ACL. Presumably, they feel like they have enough guys, but they typically have been a pretty run heavy offense, yeah. So and if they draft Bijan, it's probably a sign that they don't think Dobbins is right. It'll be interesting if he drops to the second round and he will still go for twenty five dollars in our draft. So that'll be fine. Yeah, I look. I don't think the round he goes in is going to affect his dollar value in auction. I think it's yeah. a little bit landing spot, and well, I think it's mostly a landing spot. I mean, if he gets in with the Steelers, for instance, I'm going to say Steelers not a good spot. Because it's still not a great yeah. offense, and they still have Najee Harris there. Uh, Would you love it if he fell all the way to thirty-nine and the Panthers? Uh, but now yes, he's got a rookie. They don't have anybody. Because now he's got a rookie quarterback as well. Oh, right? I think let's say. Fine. But you've got Anderson, uh, Richardson, sorry, or yeah. Webbers. At the Panthers, right? Well, I'm I'm predicting that CJ Stroud. Well, I'm predicting that the Panthers trade up to take Stroud, and so I like Stroud there. I don't mind that they also go with the rookie running. Like, I mean, rookie running backs produce in bad offenses all the time. Like Damian Pierce, he didn't score a lot of touchdowns, but he was pretty good last year. Uh, Brees Hall in New York. I mean, that was not a great offense. It was good because he was there. And Garrett Wilson was pretty good too, but yeah, I wouldn't be particularly uh, worried about the quarterback situation. I mean, obviously it could be better. I mean, if the Texans got him, that might be a spot. That might be a spot where I'm not all that excited because the offense will suppress, but 
mean, they also have Damian Pierce, so I'm not sure they would do that. And even last year, like I said, Damian Pierce was fine. I mean, he, he wasn't $25 good, but he was he was fine. Okay. I think we've talked about this long enough. Is there... Uh, I see you had another question there about draft. So I'm like, I'm ca- I'm calling it. Yeah, that, that was that was a lot of draft talk. So, giving the listeners something new. The the Swedish listeners want to know our thoughts on the NFL. Oh, draft, sure. Do you want to hype your the baseball league that you learn? And do we need players? Team uh, No, we do not need managers. Um. I, at least I don't think so. But we do have to hear from your buddy Josh. So Josh, if you're listening, please let me know uh, whether you're in or not. You but other than that, no, we, uh, we, we have a baseball league. Yes. Uh, we do not have the companion podcast yet. Um, yeah. You know, if it took us three months to record the season finale here, I'm not sure that the baseball podcast is going to take off. But uh, there is do an you opportunity. Think, do you think it'll be a free peat for Corey and me? We're, we're both in the championship again. I hope not. And I hope I, I lose have, to him. I hope I have finally acquired enough keepers and I've sucked enough. I got the number two pick. I am hoping that I can make the playoffs for the first time ever and then maybe make my way into the championship game. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, I I have a bit of a blind spot uh, for certain things in baseball and I'm hoping that I can recognize that and rectify this year, but we will see. Okay. Cool. Well, it, it's been a while, and it's been a great chat that we've had for almost two hours. Uh, I hope to see you all in, I don't know, June, July, August. Let's say August. Probably August, we yes. meet up, we'll probably do a preview podcast. And we always think about doing a preview podcast, and then we finally decide, nah, we'll just do a draft recap. Yeah. Oh, sorry. One last thing before we go, before we sign off. I do want to give you a little bit of dap. You did win bold board bets this year. You got me 11 to 9. I made a bit of a comeback winning four of the last six bets we made, but you did beat me 11 to 9 in in the bold bets. So great job, you. I also feel I gave you some easy ones. Maybe, but I might have given you some easy ones early. So, you know, we're just, we're one big happy family. Okay. All right. Well, let's call it right there. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for sticking with us this season. Hope you had fun. We had fun. Uh, yep. Guten Tag Bye from Sweden, everybody. Bye for now. <laughs>